Hi there, welcome back. Thanks for 167K. Um, we're listening to... A half with three of his lawyers, Jim Trustee and two other people I've never... This is, and he did uh, this, this, and he did that. And Tony he, Michaels. And like total, total just like receipts are being pulled to prove that Ron DeSantis is someone who will turn, right? But if you look as just at, at Twitter as like kind of like a snapshot in time, you see that they cannot stop fighting, right? There might be some people on the side who are like, man, this is not the Republican Party I'm a part of. I just want to go back to something sane, like sane and go back to like actual conservative values. But everyone else is just like, no, DeSantis this and, and Trump that. And it's just Perilous. completely tearing yeah. the fabric of the party apart. And I, and I said it earlier, too, is is Trump will probably drain the swamp, but not by the way that he thought he was going to, right? He's going to twist <laughs> everything. And what will be left might be a new Republican Party that might be a little bit less crazy, right? But yep. they can't... They can't yeah, if you remember in the wake of the midterms, I was talking about how important it was for Joe Biden to run for re-election, that the one thing the left needed to avoid above all other fucking things, no matter how old this dude is, even if, he, mm -hmm. even if we have to weekend and Bernie his ass all the way through it, right? right? Which we don't, because he's fucking... He's more in shape than Donald Trump. But in any case... Like the, the main thing we needed to avoid was a democratic primary. And for the reasons that you're citing, right? A, a primary, a presidential primary, any primary, but especially the presidential primary, it is a um, civil war within the party, right? It rips the party apart. It factionalizes them. Uh, you, know, so, you know, people are incredibly nasty to each other. Uh, even in our party, right? Kamala Harris, oh, I was one of those kids that rode the bus to school, right? It is... It's the only way to win is to tear down your mm -hmm. opposition, right? So it's naturally an environment that is divisive. And so in political science literature, we have a lot of, of work and, and academic research into do primaries help or hurt uh, presidential candidates, especially mm -hmm. when it's a device, what we call a divisive primary. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this primary for the Republican Party is the best reelection pos um, contribution possible to Joe Biden because it is going to be a shit show. They're going to stoop to no level. Uh, you know, my assumption is still that that Donald Trump will get indicted, and we can talk about some developments on that in a minute. Yeah. Um, and and, but, and that it will take time, but by late fall, there will be a collapse in his poll numbers. And the only place or viable like alternative that I can see as a professional academic who studies this for, you know, studied this for my dissertation is probably them landing on Ron DeSantis, right? Mm -hmm. And what's going to be terrific about that is after months and months of all the mudslinging, the attacks, the bullshit with Trump, blah, 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 mm -hmm. if DeSantis ends up being the nominee, we're going to have all of this great stuff right out of Donald Trump's mouth about mm -hmm. how Ron DeSantis is going to raise, uh, eliminate Social Security and raise mm -hmm. taxes and all this shit, right? So, like, oh, we it's... can take that, and that's certainly not across the board because swing voters aren't so much into Trump, but we can pound them with old people right like old people oh, in yeah. particular don't believe us you know donald trump your buddy told him I mean, told you they, right there they, they <laughs> truly are yeah. creating the 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 political campaign ad material right it's like yes. look, this is what this person said and that's it just like play the clip right you're gonna have Donald Trump, right, right. you know, on last week, he's like, I don't like all these people saying woke, woke, woke. They can't define woke. Then hours later that night, he's on hand and he's like, oh, we we really went after these woke people, right? 
And Ron DeSantis has <laughs> has put himself in a position where his whole platform is just the word woke, right? Can't define yeah. it, can't explain it. Casey DeSantis has a, a leather jacket. Right. right, exactly. And now, and on top <laughs> of that, there's a clip of of Steve Bannon. I don't know if you've seen this. There's a clip of Steve Bannon on his show where he actually goes after and it praises, of all things, praises Hakeem Jeffries and goes after Kevin McCarthy. Um, and so let's, let's play that clip. He's now majority leader. Hakeem Jeffries had to come to the full. Hakeem Jeffries had to come down. By the way, Hakeem Jeffries, who's now majority leader. Hakeem Jeffries had to come to the full, waited strategically. And Hakeem Jeffries, you think Biden played this smart? He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. Kevin McCarthy's his bitch. Okay. I hate, I know we, I know we uh, go to a lot of homeschoolers and I, you know, hopefully we can bleep that out. Maybe it's too late, but let me just be blunt. Hakeem Jeffries, the power moves he made were spectacular. It's, it is amazing. I'm so glad you shared that with me. I, I did um, not know, but yeah, I mean, he made him his little bitch. Dude, there's no doubt he, he about it. His, he was like, oh, I know we have a lot of home tours, but he did. He made him his little bitch. And that's the thing. Remember <laughs> that, like, for the, everyone who's listening, the only reason he won that speakership is because he, he compromised on so many things, and one of which was that it only takes one person to put his position in jeopardy. And now you've got Steve Bannon, who has a very big reach and very influential within the MAGA community, saying, oh, you know what? Hakeem Jeffries, he's the man. Joe Biden, he played Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy's a little bitch. And then recently, also, there was another moment where Steve Bannon goes after Marjorie Taylor Greene. So the infighting, right, of of once yep. a group that was once tight-knit, right? Because they, yes. they have one common Nothing enemy. Nothing can end family harmony faster than a presidential exactly. primary. That's why we didn't want one, guys. Because we don't want to be beating ourselves up, up right. and, you know, mudslinging and giving the opposition material to use against us in the general. Not to mention all the fucking money, money at least, right? Yeah. So... I mean, you said it. Yeah, in, uh, dude, I love that Bannon admits that his show is used to to uh, bit, uh, build little Nazis at a exactly. home school. <laughs> I mean, there was that one. I think it was the video that uh, video you shared over the weekend. That one girl who was at the podium at whatever mm -hmm. that like local town hall meeting was, and she basically was like, "Oh, we got you know, fucking youth Nazis that are that are now using their voice to go forward yep, and, and, and spread this." Yeah. It's, but yeah, the, I mean, think about growing up in one of these households where you've got nothing but propaganda oh, yeah. beaming in. You've got crazy parents that in, in entrapped in a mass psychosis event, which is mm -hmm. what we're looking at with Mac, a multi-million person mass psychosis. And, you know, these are the formative years. Republicans aren't wrong that children form their opinions and, and uh, you know, get, um, you know, learn or get indoctrinated as you would call mm -hmm. it into the world that their parents see that's why most kids grow up if they grow up with republican parents they they grow up and be republicans and vice versa with yeah. democrats so we know that that the um so political socialization process of children is highly contingent on the 
classroom environment. Mm -hmm. And that's what the home environment is for those kids. So, you know, once more projecting, right? Like they think we want our kids to be trans as if we would ever want our child to have to struggle with a condition that's going to make them a pariah in society and, you know, force them to live with people who who hate them, right? Like that's something we dream and aspire to do, right? (laughs) The the idea, yeah, the idea they're like, oh, if you get rid of a story or a book by a drag queen, you'll be trans or like if you drink the Bud Light, it'll make you gay or you put on that you know, pride shirt from Target. It'll make you get, it's like, where do you think there's like some osmosis, like connection here where like by being in contact with it, you then like get it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't spread. They do think that though, Gabe, at the end of the day, like despite all the evidence and all their own personal stories where they had gay children and tried to convert them or make them Mm -hmm. stop being gay and failed utterly and miserably. The general conception in a Matt Walsh brain, who's this bigot fascist that put out that What is a Woman movie over the weekend that got elevated by Elon Musk, you know, their general conception is that you choose to be gay. That it's some kind of, it's like a lifestyle choice, like my, my fucking lipstick today. Okay. And so if you, if you, and, and, and and it's willful ignorance is the same thing we see in other societies and most particularly in the third Reich where people Mm -hmm. willfully choose to believe something stupid because it it helps their worldview or it aligns with their ideological preference. I mean, that's what's happened with conservatives, right? But it forms the basis of all of their backlash because Mm -hmm. in a world where you choose whether or not to be gay, and trust me, you cannot fucking choose because if I could, I would have made myself a lesbian years and years ago because if anyone in America needs a fucking wife, it's me, okay? So you can't choose to be gay, but Republicans have constructed this entire, you know, pushback system on that assumption and that's what drives right. so much of that hyper yeah. um, hysterical reaction and, and i'm sure a lot of those same people that are like so so dug into the maga you know they'll look at what's happening with trump right now right you, you know i know that we want to talk about the doj and they meant this today for what i what i saw was like an hour and a half with three of his lawyers jim trusty and two other people i've never seen before but i'm sure they're coming off the bench in rotation and they'll be as quickly kicked <laughs> off as well, right? Like, it's it, and and you you have these MAGA people that look at what's happening with Trump and be like, oh no, the grand jury met and they're and the lawyers are there and Jack Smith is closing the investigation. That doesn't mean anything, and it's like, no, it means something and it's something big, you know. <laughs> Yeah, agree. And like the big tell is Donald Trump on True Social, you know, uh, after the lawyers meeting or near the tail end of it. It's not fair. Right. So like obviously, I mean, and from what what the reporters or the um, attorneys he sent put out to reporters after the meeting is that they showed up there to to complain about maltreatment or mistreatment of the DOJ by Donald Trump. Well, I fucking hope they did, dude. I hope that they were dumb enough to go sit across the DOJ and start spouting this conspiracy bullshit that is, you know, the staple ideology of Madeline. Because all it does is is reaffirm, I'm sure, in their minds how important criminal accountability will be here. (laughs) Oh, 100%. I mean, going into a meeting like that, whether Jack Smith is present or his, his team is, and trying to fight this idea that, oh, you know what? There was a lot of malpractice in the way that you guys went for. And it's like, oh, do, is that really what we want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the fact that you lied on multiple occasions on whether or not you had the documents? You instructed Evan Corcoran not to go into the office because they'd already been searched. Like, it was not just Donald Trump, but AIDS as well. So the idea that they're like, oh, there was, there was so much mistreatment from the legal counsel against Donald Trump. And it's like, mm, if anything, 
Considering yeah. the timeline, if anything, you can say that fucking it, gloves, right? Right. Yeah. Dude, the <laughs> most lenient and patient, because again, yeah. you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Merrick Garland isn't going fast enough and this and that. And Tony and I, and you have talked about this before on the show, is like, I know that everyone is like, shit, man, we dealt with four years plus an additional two of this guy out of the office. And we just want something to happen. Like, we want steps to be right, taken. Right. When will justice be well, seen? Well, people are P P PSTD, too, right, Gabe? Right, I mean, exactly. like, I have it. I'm not going to yeah. lie to people. I'm fuck I believed that Robert Mueller was going to go in and pursue the case as aggressively as he, as he could and should. And then, you know, you find out he didn't even fucking interview half of them, dude. Like, right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it was... Not only did he like go limp dick and say, "Oh well, you know, I Congress, which is which is so partisan, there's no way you can ever hit a, uh, an impeachment threshold mm -hmm. ever. You can't. We can't amend the Constitution. We can't impeach anybody. We have a polarized Congress can barely fucking raise the debt ceiling, right? So like that shit was bad. But like ultimately, then you learn that the investigation was kid glove the whole way through it, right? So I mm -hmm. get why people are nervous, and I'm not gonna lie. Until I see it, I will. I will have a part of me that's terrified but i do um i do think justice is coming i do yeah yeah it's it there you know i i have the same feeling i know a lot of people do as well and to the point of like everyone's like oh come on come on let's go like he's not working fast enough it i think the main the main takeaway to have there is like if this were rushed right then right. things could be missed and arguments could be easily broken apart. But when you take the time to make sure that you're interviewing everyone, you get all the way down to the maintenance guy at Mar-a-Lago, who's a witness now. And then until the very, whether, whether or not they discover the audio tape at the very end or at some point, but we're just releasing it now in terms of what they have, I'm not sure. But the idea that all of these things are coming up, we're like, oh, Evan Corcoran was told not to go to the office. The audio tape was was revealed. I think it was, it was Evan Corcoran was told not to go to the office. Then it was revealed that there was a maintenance worker who was a witness. And then the third shoe to drop, right, was the fact that there was this audio recording of Trump. And then there was an additional one, which is like, oh, the DOJ and the FBI and the National Archives do not have this document that's in question. And then the lawyer, the legal team's like, oh, well, we don't have it either. So it's like, well, where is the document? You know, where, was it lost? It yeah, lost and, and again, this is a national security doc. So it can't mm -hmm. be, even if you ascribe to the theory that a president can, like, genie, you know, and unblink and declassify things, actually... The president cannot declassify unilaterally things that are sensitive national intelligence, right? There's yeah. a process, so he can request that process mm -hmm. be performed to declassify it, right. but he can't just say, hey, it's magically disclassified, right? So right. it's really I mean, bad it's, for him. Yeah, really, oh, yeah really there's, bad. There's no, there's no easy way to, to get out of this because if you look at from the very beginning on August 8th, 2022, 20, 20, yeah, 2022, uh, it was, it was a raid and it was a hoax and it was all planted. And this is a witch hunt against me. And then he's like, well, uh, no, they were my documents and I took them in and I declassified them. And Cash Patel was there with me too. And it's like, you know what? Hands off. I'm just going to keep the shovel, keep digging because you're doing an amazing job, not only for everyone else to watch, but also Jack Smith and his team. And please continue to post about it on Truth Social and admit to more crimes for the Fulton County case and also Eugene Carroll. Like, 
the guy for as like you know stable genius as he is like the guy is an absolute idiot when it comes to keeping himself out of crimes because he just continues to admit to the crimes and also more crimes of what he's done, right? And you're like, okay, well, make it easy for legal to me. Sean's like, you would never oh, yeah. do that, right? He's like, oh yeah, I did it all the time. <laughs> it's like, thanks, dude. That's wonderful, uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, here's yeah. the thing. It's like, yes, the crimes are also fucking obvious, right? So like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, here, number one, here's what I've learned. Nobody in America, if, if this is the evidentiary, evidence, whatever, evidence, evidence, like, bar, if, of what you need to like prosecute someone for crimes is is as it has been you know laid out for us for years now then nobody should ever fucking plead guilty to any fucking thing ever in america because apparently it is extremely hard to reach a mm-hmm. reasonable doubt verdict right because right. i mean the evidence is it's on plain sight it's not the fucking mob right al capone yeah. didn't have his balls hanging out for everyone to look at right? <laughs> that yeah. actually worked to prove it right but trump it's all just sitting there so number one don't plead guilty for any fucking thing obviously and number two like i all the work i've done the last few years has been on the assumption there will be criminal um you know repercussions for for trump's egregious criminal behavior and honestly if that was not to to happen i i think the outrage will be much bigger than if anything does happen i think we've already got a sense that there you know this revolution trump had to try to call to arms isn't going to materialize for him right, right. but yeah. i think that the the counter um argument is if there's no rule of law in america how can any citizen feel safe right and if donald yeah. trump is chosen to let go or they let him negotiate some bullshit like bureau Adno, which i get why they did that he was holding on to a, a line of succession that was almost certain mm-hmm. to be used as nixon was was you know prosecuted and impeached so that made sense but would there be better be no fucking deals for donald trump none because oh, yeah. this guy is you know he is just shit over the legal system all mm-hmm. over it and he continues to do it every day the damage yeah. that he's done will be lucky if we don't face another um you know oklahoma city bombing or something of mm-hmm. its type i think every day i fear every day i'm going to wake up to a headline like that because he's ratified so many people into believing that the doj and the fbi are some criminal uh, cabals and it's just we have to assert the rule of law i mean that's what i mean that's 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 the you know the, the 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 terrible thing but also the beautiful thing about the republican party is that the one day they'll say we should use the doj and the fbi for our our use right oh i sent the F- like donald trump i sent the fbi to go help uh ron DeSantis in the 2018 election for the, the governorship right and then you've got uh you've got uh marjorie taylor green saying how she wants to use the fbi for this and that but at the same time they're like oh no we gotta we gotta defund the fbi we gotta defund the doj it's biden's regime you know it's this and that and it's like you you know they're every point along the way they say one thing and then they say the other right and all we can do i mean outside of calling them out is mock them right and 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 make fun of them and and correct them in the sense of like if nobody says anything then then we will let it go by and it'll be all it'll be old news right unless we keep it uh in line with with uh with what they're saying to be like oh lauren bober like lauren bober for example right trying to say that she 
she protested the vote because she didn't believe in the deals. When really, there was literal video evidence of her running up the stairs trying to make the vote on time. So yeah, we, yeah. Can't, you know, we can't just let it go by and be like, oh, yeah, whatever. She's crazy. But be like, no, no, no. Here are the receipts. We have it on tape. Caught in 4K. Everything you say is going to be used against you. Is bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I want to yeah, no thank you. And Lauren Bobard's time is numbered, Gabe, let me tell you, because she's unlike Marjorie Carol, Taylor Green or the, mm -hmm. many of those others. She's in a swing district. It's a very vulnerable yep. district. Oh, so if you want to give some money yeah. to a race that I feel is really confident we can pick up the seat, then please consider donating and recurring donations to Adam Frisk, who's running against her in the right. second race and almost beat her the first time without assistance. So. A person who actually supports veterans in the military, you know. Um, but I want to thank <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also isn't a fucking lying, you know, oh, fascist yeah. asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I Speaking of, did you see, yeah. let's close on a high note. Did yeah, you yeah, see yeah. that video of Max Frost at the, Par at the Paramore concert? Oh, yeah, let me pull it up for everyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, yeah, that was a great one. Adam on <laughs> yeah, stage. Yeah, I feel like I if we have, like, things. finally an actual cool person in Congress, we should definitely yeah. give them accolades, you know? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I we mean, have nerd cool people. Don't get me wrong, guys. I, I, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. Obama wasn't cool. It's just that it's nerd cool. Like, cool cool is different. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. All right. All right. Look at him go, dude. Uh, he's fucking living his dream right there, right? <laughs> I want a moment like that, but with widespread panic. <laughs> And the best part is he used that moment to get on that stage and tell that audience to fuck Ron DeSantis, right? Oh, like, yeah. you know, and Taylor Swift is speaking out now, too. You know, um, you know, it's a little bit less ardent, but it's very aggressive against pushing back against the anti-equality movement, so. Yeah. I mean, let's see if I can find that clip of him. We need all of that. I know people think that uh, you know, that's crazy, but... Any one of these celebrity accounts has a hundred million followers, right? Oh, yeah. Like the I mean, celebrity, the, the reach. like recreation Twitter is much bigger than political Twitter, okay? It's it's right. like political Twitter is, your whole world is like this weird microchasm that no one else lives in. So getting celebrities to, to be aggressive and to help us out and saving democracy is so important. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. And just on that, on that note... <laughs> that's great. That's the first time I got to hear it, so that's nice. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't hear it in my video. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I was lazy. I didn't even catch it the first time. I was just so excited to see a mm -hmm. member of Congress actually doing something cool. <laughs> so initially, I posted it, and then people in the comments were like, yeah, and he yelled, fuck DeSantis. I'm like, oh, even better, dude. <laughs> it's ama I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing to see... Young people, cool people, so engaged, uh, and also ones that are that are working. Like you said, there's like you know regular Twitter, right? Conventional kind of like normal day Twitter. Everyone has their lives, and there's political Twitter. And the ones that are more you know normal right. everyday life, like the reach is more of a general, like because politics is definitely its own kind of 
uh, niche area. And so to get that oh, yes. on a wide scale, a, a huge reach, yes. right, is is amazing, right? Whether it's Taylor Swift, like you said, yes. or Frost here, like anytime anyone can speak out, you know, even for us, like we don't have as large of voices as they do, but anyone speaking out is good because, you know, a collective voice, a crowd of people clamoring together, yelling and blowing whistles, we know that Republicans hate it. They hate it. So yes, we have to do right. more of that. They do. And and the more that we can get the tuned out to tune in, right? It's the opposite of the 60s. We don't need people to tune out uh, and right. drop out and tune whatever. <laughs> tune in yeah, and drop yeah. out. What we need people to do is tune in and participate. And then the only way to yeah. do that is to make sure they know there's an emergency. Exactly. Uh, before you go, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to you know, put in a shameless plug. I know you've got a book, right? Uh, and you've got updates on release. And I do. It's, get it's, we're literally turning the final draft in this week. And it has, it has really exceeded my expectations. My co-author that I brought on um, to help me with the book is just absolutely fucking incredible. And I can't wait for people to read this book. I think it's going to be... Uh, it's going to hit D.C. like a, a big-ass, you know, political bomb. Nice. <laughs> and, what, and, the, and the name of the book is again? Next year. Oh, it's called Hit Him Where It Hurts, How to Save Democracy by Beating Republicans at Their Own Game. Nice. And it comes out next year, right? Yeah, it comes out next year via Crown. Yep. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, yeah. uh, Rachel, for coming by. Uh, if you want to stop by tomorrow and uh, shit on Tony some more, we can totally <laughs> do that, too. But thank you, thank you. I'll catch you guys uh, soon, though. I love y'all. And I, I'm definitely going to tweet out that, um, you know, boycott binder video as soon oh, as I can yeah, find yeah, yeah. it on your Twitter. I'll, I'll probably, I'll, I'll yeah. retweet it later today. Right it's a, a you got to remember to send me that stuff, Gabe. I know. Yep. I know. I'll send it to you okay. after the show. Okay, cool. See ya. Okay, cool. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, what a show. We went over. We won't go three hours. Don't worry. We won't go three hours. Uh, I got to I gotta close up shop here and say goodbye to everyone until we come back tomorrow. And we'll have uh, Texas Paul on. You know, we'll talk everything Taco Tuesday, too. I'm sure there's going to be more. It's only 11.07 on the, on the West Coast. And I'm sure that more news will drop between now and and tomorrow morning for us to make fun of the Republican Party. Um, I have a what was that uh, <clears throat> that I will play tomorrow for you guys. It's all on uh, on Ron DeSantis's woke uh, and also Donald Trump's woke and the ability or the lack of ability to really put a put a finger on what it means, you know, uh, despite the fact that they love to do it. Right. So if you want to get more, what was that content? I know there's a bunch of people in the chat right now that are uh, Patreon subscribers. So I thank you all so much. Uh, if you want to check it out, you can go to whatwasthatshow.com or patreon.com slash I am Gabe Sanchez, where you'll get, you know, everything from you know, just outtakes or sketches like Boycott Binder is one, uh, other episodes of what was that, early access to the episodes, as well as other clips and, and commentary um, in the community, as well as just cool people that are talking and making fun of Republicans inside my Patreon, um, separate from Tony's Patreon. Uh, but if you want to get Tony's Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash the Tony Michaels. Um, and again, mine is patreon.com slash I am Gabe Sanchez. And if you uh, are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. Hit us there. If you're on Twitter, 
make sure to hit us on Twitter for you know the the pod account uh, at the uh, Tony Michaels Pod, uh, the Tony Michaels, and also I am Gabe Sanchez. And of course, if you're listening or prefer to listen to the audio, um, you can download us on all major platforms um, that you can find the, the the podcast. And also, if you're listening slash watching on Facebook, check us out at the Tony Michaels. And of course. If you're on Twitch and you want to, you know, take some of George Bezos' money and give us that, link your Prime account to your Twitch account, and we get like a couple dollars out of that. And every dollar goes a long way, especially since Tony and I do this full-time. It's why we have our Patreons. It's why we, uh, you know, ask you to link up with Twitch on your Prime account. Uh, and, and also, I mean, we do this because we really do, we really do love, love goofing. On, uh, on things in life also, but mainly the Republican Party. Um, and and if you haven't seen it, we do have brand new merch. We're always working on new merch. And the new one that we have right now is, um, is our brand new T-shirts, which are for the Let Them Eat Rake. Uh, if I could find it. There we go. Okay, so if you go to store.thetonymichaels.com, you can also get your shirt uh we have blue one a white one a black one i think maybe a gray one as well and then we also just brought in pride merch so we've got t-shirts uh we've got fanny packs um and you know we heard people from the community asked for pride merch so we went in and we designed some so you can find them at store.thetonymichaels.com check us out there see what you like you know buy what you like uh wrap it take a photo of it Right. Take a photo, tag us and put it on um, put it on Twitter or put it on Instagram or even, uh, you know, tag us on on YouTube if you've got an account there. Um, but we'd love to see you guys rock it. You know, fascism sucks. Let them eat rake surfs up. Uh, and especially because Ron DeSantis, I feel like we have to bring back this one, which is Ron DeSantis can go fuck himself. Uh, a, a statement that is always true and evergreen. Um, cause Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and everyone else in the Republican party can go fuck themselves. So if you like the merch, you can go check it out at store.thetonymichaels.com. If you want to be a subscriber to my Patreon, join me at, uh, uh, patreon.com slash I'm Gabe Sanchez or Tony's at patreon.com slash the Tony Michaels. Um, thank you. Thank you. And I will, uh, check you guys out tomorrow. Like I said, I'll be back tomorrow and then I'll also have Texas Paul. So make sure to look at that. I don't think Tony will be back. I think he'll probably be a little hungover from uh, Lake of the Ozarks. You know how he is. Usually it's on a Thursday after uh, after karaoke, but um, tomorrow, tomorrow it's me again. So thank you for being patient and also any delays that you saw today. Uh, but we had Rachel Bittacoffer on, the great Dr. Rachel Bittacoffer, mocking and making fun of the Republican Party. And tomorrow it'll just be me and Texas Ball, the two amigos. So until tomorrow... You know, you know what we say, until tomorrow, surf's up, motherfuckers. You've been listening to the Tony Michaels Podcast. Podcast. In your face commentary of current events and political news. No rules, no boundaries. I think we've made that perfectly clear. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll be back soon. In the meantime, follow Tony on social media at the Tony Michaels. And until next time, raise a fist and repeat after me. Fuck em.
there speaking. Making some uh, potatoes, roasted potatoes, next and video, um, no video, um, burrito. <laughs> Anunnaki movie, wow. Lost Book of Enki, Zachariah Sitchin? Holy shit. Two weeks ago, Anunnaki. Anunnaki movie one, Lost Book of Enki. Tablet one to five. of terror has been used. Suma is devastated and all life that existed has turned to death. Enki, the great god, decided to call his chosen one, the master scribe, Indubsa. After the abduction of Indubsa, Enki began to speak. I feel a heavy spirit upon me, bitter lamentations that fill my heart. The land is desolate. Suma has been destroyed. Corpses are piling up. The evil wind, the great calamity, vanish the people and all lands. In rivers nothing moves anymore. The pure, sparkling waters turn to poison. Death is the only smell here. There is no more life and only the wind makes a sound. The tall and grand temples were abandoned by their gods. There is no command. Scepter and crown has gone. On the banks of the two great rivers, once lush and full of life, now only weeds sprout. Humanity had never seen anything like this. 
It is sad to realize that where once there was a city, the home of gods and humans, now only ruins reveals itself. The destructive hand of terror has fallen on every city from west to east. It was an evil wind, a storm born on a distant plain, a great calamity stalking its path. A death wind, a devouring storm. It was like a deluge, but with wind and poisoned air not water. It was a decision, not fate that decided this way. The great gods, on their council, decided for the great calamity, and so they brought it. In Lil and Ninma, my loved ones, allowed it. I pleaded that all destruction had to be stopped. I argued day and night, but it was in vain. Ninurta, the warlike son of Enlil, and Nurgle, my own son, unleashed the weapons of terror and unleashed the great poison across the plain. Now, they cry in anguish. No one could have predicted that the evil wind born from the west would find its way to the east. In the holy cities, one after another the gods fled their cities and emptied their temples. In Eridu, at my city, I could do nothing to stop the cloud of poison that migrated towards me. Unsuccessful to stop the great destruction, my wife Ninki and I abandoned the city. As soon as the evil wind found its way to Nipper, Enlil and his wife hurriedly left and in their ship, they survived. At the city of Yore, where the Sumerian royalty was, Nanna begged Enlil to prevent the wind of death from commanding fate. But Enlil said that not even he, who decides the fates, could prevent it. Enlil, Nanna, and his wife Ningle also leave the city. For you who follow my lament for Sumer know that the great flood was part of destiny. But the great calamity, the wind of death, did not. The breaking of a promise brought the decision of a council of the gods and the weapons of terror were authorized. It was a decision not fate, it has to be clear. It was against Marduk, my dear firstborn son, that destruction had been decreed. Enlil's eldest son declared his opposition and threatened the use of weapons. Thus, an army arose and Babylon was created as the center of the world. In the council of the Anunnaki disputes were constant and growing. I have always opposed confrontation and advised peace. I argued vehemently that Marduk's time had come. The heavens announced the arrival of their era. But Ninjishsida, another of my sons, argued that the heavens foretold other signs. I knew his heart could not forgive Marduk's mistakes to him. Nanna, son of Enlil, at his turn, had also been ruthless. Thus, all the great gods, one by one, imposed their opinions. Argument was great, Babel was widespread, 
and accusations and barbs found light in all the darkest corners of Anunnaki's life. Even Inanna was beside herself. It demanded Marduk's punishment for the murder of his beloved Dumuzi. It was Ninurta who at last caused his voice to be heard. Marduk will only be stopped if it is with the use of weapons. Enlil's firstborn was enraged. And not just him. In reality, what was being discussed in the assembly of the great Anunnaki was that we could not allow Marduk to arrive at the weapons of terror before everyone else. Nurgle Lord of the Netherworlds demanded the use of weapons. He said, let the ancient weapons of terror be used to destroy. I was deeply saddened. I could not conceive what had happened before my own eyes. In place of agreement, there was silence. And Enlil, my brother, broke the sacred silence in the assembly of the gods to pronounce, a chastisement, he said, must befall. Marduk and Nabu are depriving us of our heritage, and we will deprive them of a place in the celestial ships. Burn the place to oblivion. Minerta, enraged, said, let me be the one to come to blows. Let me burn it all. Nurgle took the word to say, let the cities be destroyed. Let me raise your cities. Let me be the annihilator. Ninma, my sister, who helped to create mankind, pronounced, humans cannot pay for our mistakes. They cannot be exterminated. This is a question of the gods. It is our question, of the Anunnaki. It is not human, it is of the gods. Anu, from the house of heaven, heard them all and then uttered his holy decision. The weapons of terror must be used. May the place be raised to the ground, and may the people forgive you for it. Let Ninurta trigger the weapons of terror, and let Nurgle be the annihilator. And this was the decision Enlil announced, I will reveal to them a secret of the gods. Everyone's hidden place, the hiding place of weapons of terror, I will unveil. Thus, as agreed, the weapons of terror would come out of their hiding places. And where would they go, in every corner they would touch, in dust, they would convert everything. I feel a heavy spirit upon me, bitter lamentations that fill my heart. The land is desolate. Suma has been destroyed. Corpses are piling up. The evil wind, the great calamity, vanished the people and all lands. In rivers nothing moves anymore. The pure, sparkling waters turn to poison. Death is the only smell here. 
There is no more life and only the wind makes a sound. The tall and grand temples were abandoned by their gods. There is no command. Scepter and crown has gone. On the banks of the two great rivers, once lush and full of life, now only weeds sprout. Humanity had never seen anything like this. It is sad to realize that where once there was a city, the home of gods and humans, now only ruins reveals itself. The destructive hand of terror has fallen on every city from west to east. It was an evil wind, a storm born on a distant plain, a great calamity stalking its path. A death wind, a devouring storm. It was like a deluge, but with wind and poisoned air, not water. It was a decision, not fate, that decided this way. The great gods like and their council winter. decided for the great calamity, and so they brought it. Enlil and Ninma, my loved ones, allowed it. I pleaded that all destruction had to be stopped. I argued day and night, but it was in vain. Ninurta, the warlike son of Enlil, and Nurgle, my own son, unleashed the weapons of terror and unleashed the great poison across the plain. Now, they cry in anguish. No one could have predicted that the evil wind born from the west would find its way to the east. In the holy cities, one after another the gods fled their cities and entered their temples. In Eridu, at my city, I could do nothing to stop the cloud of poison that migrated towards me. Unsuccessful to stop the great destruction, my wife Ninki and I abandoned the city. As soon as the evil wind found its way to Nippa, Enlil and his wife hurriedly left and in their ship, they survived. At the city of Yor, where the Sumerian royalty was, Nanarbeg commanding fate. But Enlil said that not even he, who decides the fates, could prevent it. Enlil, Nanna, and his wife Ningle also leave the city. This is posted two weeks ago. For you who follow my lament for Suma know that the Great Flood was part of destiny. Anunnaki Ancient Mystery the Channel. calamity, the wind of death, did not. The breaking of a promise brought the decision of a council of the gods and the weapons of terror were authorized. It was a decision, not fate. It has to be clear. It was against Marduk, my dear firstborn son, that destruction had been decreed. Enlil's eldest son declared his opposition and threatened the use of weapons. Thus, an army arose and Babylon was created as the center of the world. In the council of the Anunnaki disputes were constant and growing. I have always opposed confrontation and advised peace. I argued vehemently that Marduk's time had come. The heavens announced the arrival of their era. 
But Ninjishida, another of my sons, argued that the heavens foretold other signs. I knew his heart could not forgive Marduk's mistakes to him. Nanna, son of Enlil, at his turn, had also been ruthless. Thus, all the great gods, one by one, imposed their opinions. Argument was great, babble was widespread, and accusations and barbs found light in all the darkest corners of Anunnaki's life. Even Inanna was beside herself. It demanded Marduk's punishment for the murder of his beloved Dumuzi. It was Ninurta who at last caused his voice to be heard. Marduk will only be stopped if it is with the use of weapons. Enlil's firstborn was enraged. And not just him. In reality, what was being discussed in the assembly of the great Anunnaki was that we could not allow Marduk to arrive at the weapons of terror before everyone else. Nurgle, lord of the nether worlds, demanded the use of weapons. He said, let the ancient weapons of terror be used to destroy. I was deeply saddened. I could not conceive what had happened before my own eyes. In place of agreement, there was silence. And in Lil, my brother, it was against Marduk, my dear firstborn son, that destruction had been decreed. Enlil's eldest son declared his opposition and threatened the use of weapons. Thus, an army arose and Babylon was created as the center of the world. In the council of the Anunnaki disputes were constant and growing. I have always opposed confrontation and advised peace. I argued vehemently that Marduk's time had come. The heavens announced the arrival of their era. <clears throat> but Ninjishida, another of my sons, argued that the heavens foretold other signs. I knew his heart could not forgive Marduk's mistakes to him. Nanna, son of Enlil, at his turn, had also been ruthless. Thus, all the great gods, one by one, imposed their opinions. Argument was great, babble was widespread, and accusations and barbs found light in all the darkest corners of Anunnaki's life. Even Inanna was beside herself. It demanded Marduk's punishment for the murder of his beloved Dumuzi. It was Ninurta who at last caused his voice to be heard. Marduk will only be stopped if it is with the use of weapons. Enlil's firstborn was enraged. And not just him. In reality, what was being discussed in the assembly of the great Anunnaki was that we could not allow Marduk to arrive at the weapons of terror before everyone else. Nurgle, Lord of the Netherworlds, demanded the use of weapons. He said, let the ancient weapons of terror be used to destroy. I was deeply saddened. 
I could not conceive what had happened before my own eyes. In place of agreement, there was silence. And Enlil, my brother, broke the sacred silence in the assembly of the gods to pronounce, the chastisement, he said, must befall. Marduk and Nabu are depriving us of our heritage, and we will deprive them of a place in the celestial ships. Burn the place to oblivion. Minerta, enraged, said, let me be the one to come to blows. Let me burn it all. Nurgle took the word to say, let the cities be destroyed. Let me raise your cities. Let me be the annihilator. Ninma, my sister, who helped to create mankind, pronounced, humans cannot pay for our mistakes. They cannot be exterminated. This is a question of the gods. It is our question of the Anunnaki. It is not human, it is of the gods. Anu, from the house of heaven, heard them all and then uttered his holy decision. The weapons of terror must be used. May the place be raised to the ground, and may the people forgive you for it. Let Ninurta trigger the weapons of terror, and let Nurgle be the annihilator. And this was the decision Enlil announced, I will reveal to them a secret of the gods. Everyone's hidden place, the hiding place of weapons of terror, I will unveil. Thus, as agreed, the weapons of terror would come out of their hiding places. And where would they go, in every corner they would touch, in They're dust, in they would convert everything. This is how the oath was violated. The two sons, full of resolve, proud and swift of step, emerged from Enlil's chamber. Terror weapons have been revealed. The rest of the Anunnaki returned to their cities, not even imagining that the use of weapons of terror would also be a great calamity. Like a broken vessel on the ground, the oath was extinguished and the weapons of terror were used. This was the story of the prior times and weapons of terror. I need to say that before these prior times, there was the beginning. And after the prior times were the olden times. On the olden times, the Anunnaki descended from the heavens to earth and created humanity. In prior times, however, there were still no gods on earth, and humans had not been created yet. On those prior times that I referred to is where we will find the beginning of all story. And this is the beginning that reveals all mysteries. What I'm going to tell you is about the planet Nibiru. The luck and fate that was reserved for the Anunnaki. 
Nibiru is a wide-orbiting planet. It's a big reddish planet. It makes an extended loop around the sun. For a time Nibiru is enveloped in cold and part of the way the bright sun shines again. Nibiru is enveloped in a thick atmosphere. This atmosphere is constantly fueled by volcanic eruptions. In the cold period the atmosphere keeps the heat, like a coat that covers the entire planet. In the warm period the atmosphere protects Nibiru. In the middle periods, between peaks of heat and cold, the rains gain strength, offering consistency to lakes and rivers. Nibiru is covered in lush vegetation that feeds and protects the atmosphere. Thus arose all kinds of life, in the waters and on the land. Our species, the Anunnaki, also arose naturally, by essence, as an eternal seed to breed. Over time the Anunnaki multiplied and took place in the valleys, plains and mountains. They set up homes, built peoples and civilizations began. In fact, at this time, disputes and rivalries began and a first war took shape, the northern nation against the southern nation. Thus, sticks were transformed into heavy weapons and civilizations into armies. In time, missiles were launched and brother against brother a long and fierce battle began. Death and destruction swept across the lands north and south. Destruction overtook all of Nibiru. For a long time desolation took place on Nibiru. It wasn't one, not two. There were several orbits. And so, it was decided to declare a truce, and soon after, cries of peace arose everywhere. Nations shall unite, and only one throne shall there be on Nibiru. Let there be one king to rule them all, they declared. The chosen king should belong to the north or the south. A consort would also be chosen, but from the opposite region. Thus, North and South would be united in the figures of king and queen. Husband and wife were one flesh and the child born of their relationship would be the successor, with a dynasty that would soon be formed. The one chosen to rule was a mighty warrior and commander from the North. He was given the title of an, which means celestial. Thus, order was re-established in the lands, laws, and regulations. And unified the lands, repaired the canals, built the cities, and provided abundance and order. His mate, chosen from the south as agreed, was given the title of Antu. The wife of and from their relationship three children were born, and the first of them was Onki. Onki remained alone on the throne, even though the concubines who came to the palace did not bear him children. Thus, the dynasty that had just begun was interrupted as soon as he died. The next was the middle son, who was not the firstborn, he was named as the rightful heir. He received the title of Anib which means, the one in the middle, to justify his position among the brothers. Anib took as wife, Ninib, which means the Lady of Ib, together they had a son named Enshargal, the successor to the throne and the fourth of the kings to rule Nibiru. His wife was his half-sister Kishargal. 
Of his reign, study had been the greatest legacy, and thus of the great tour of Nibiru he fixed a shah, which is equal to 3,600 earth years. A shah he divided into ten parts and declared two festivities, one when Nibiru is close to the sun, another in its farthest and coldest phase. His intention was to unify the people, and so, as he did, the northern feast and the southern feast served everyone. It was in the reign of Anshagal and Kishagal that the law of husband and wife, of sons and daughters was created and the customs of the first tribes were established to be 